I just, I've, I've been doing that since Monday. I've replaced my blood with Heineken. Yeah, it, it's not bad. <laughs> uh, welcome to Rambo Chat Soccer Podcast. I am the host, I guess, John Atzanizia, and I'm here with uh, Ryan Sigurdsson and Mazza Maleki. He's back. He is back yeah. from, how was how Landon? Did you say, did you say what's up? Did you uh, see him play in Mexico? Yeah, I mean, we had a little friendly, little scrimmage. You know, we basically just, we, you know, I won a few games. They won a few games. You know, it's like pretty much how that went down. But, you know, I'm back. I'm back. I'm in the States, ready to go, ready to talk some soccer. Yeah, there's, there's uh, a few games today. Um, all right. Fresh off, the, fresh off the press, let's talk about the games from today. Um, two surprising results from today in the Champions League, and I think they're surprising for different reasons. So, Mazin, talking about the Liverpool game, what surprised you about this game? I, I, I mean, obviously the result, but I think it's the ease with which Liverpool just cruised. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm surprised about two things. The scoreline is obviously surprising, but the, the 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 first thing that's kind of the most surprising is how Porto came out to play. Yeah, it they almost they almost disastrous. took the lead. It was disastrous. It was just the wrong game plan. I don't really understand. I don't really understand the decision. Well, let's just think about the context and the history of what's going on for Porto. They, I don't know what their unbeaten streak is because I don't do any research before I come onto this show, but they, they, they had an unbeaten streak at home. It was very impressive. One of the best and most impressive in Europe. And they defended home turf by deciding that they would play back and just allow Liverpool to attack them, try to absorb the attack and then catch them on the break. And I think there probably isn't a worse game plan against Liverpool than that. <laughs> that's, that's the worst idea possible. It's like, we won't put any pressure on their defense and we'll just let them attack us in the hopes that we'll get something going for us in the counter. It didn't work. They got down a few goals. And uh, honestly, you couldn't ask for a worse result for them. Porto was probably hoping that they could just at least score a couple goals at home and make something happen away at Anfield. But uh, the tie is pretty much done. Liverpool collapses a lot, but it would be an historic collapse to allow six goals to Porto at Anfield. So I think you can pretty much... I don't know. I don't want to say it, but I think we pretty much put this one in the bag. The tie is pretty much over. So, so to be clear, Porto is, has not lost this season, not just at home. They have not lost this season. Uh, in their domestic have, at all. In their domestic league. They, you know, they have like a ridiculous sub 0.5 goals against and, uh, and, and they're plus 43 GD. Um, yeah, it doesn't help when you start the game off with a huge goalkeeping blunder, terrible distribution that gives it right to an attacking player. And then he fails to sort of fix his own mistake and, and allows the ball to slip under him. Um, the second goal is a little strange. I don't know if you noticed the second goal where every Porto player stops because they all thought it was a foul. Referee says no foul. Well, it was a foul. He just he just let him play. He didn't stop the play. No, no, no. If you actually look at the referee, he's like doing the like Dikembe like finger wag at him. He's like <laughs> saying it. It's not a foul. But but I think the Porto players sort of misinterpreted that, and uh, you know, play just continues, and Mo Salah never stops because he just he's an engine, uh, and, and winds up having this like cool volley goal where you know it goes like foot to head to foot in, in, into the back of the net. Uh, and credit to James Milner, who actually had a pretty nice shot off the post to actually set that up. Um, James Milner, two assists today, surprising start. Um, surprises. I think uh, Sadio, Sadio Mane scoring a hat trick, awesome for him. Really, so, really happy for him. I'm really happy for him. Um, I just hope he can keep it going. You know, yeah, uh, that's the hope. I, I mean, for Liverpool fans, uh, you know, you hope that Mane can return to the form that we saw last season from him. Um, but so that was a spectacular showing from him. And uh, really, like, you know, Firmino and Salah are just continuing to prove over and over that they are just like becoming a fantastic duo with one another, just like really connecting in, in ways that feel telepathic at times. They're, they're, they're super in sync. Um, and I think, I mean, just one more thing to kind of talk about in terms of surprising things in this game. What this game actually showed me is another thing about Liverpool, which is a glaring weakness of theirs ever since losing Coutinho, which is 
their midfield. Because in this game, they managed to somehow allow Porto just completely seed the midfield. And you can see what happens when Liverpool can control in the middle. They're just basically unstoppable. If you have a nice central control with a team that can attack like that and get good mm-hmm. service in, Liverpool's going to score bunches and bunches of goals. But you see the times where they can't do that is when their midfield gets cut up from the rest of the team, and it's way too easy to do, to do that to Liverpool. With players like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Henderson, Milner, Lalana, Emre Chan at times, really underperforming in many key games, you can kind of see that a big part of what they're going to have to do in the offseason is continue to dominate midfields uh, because that's how they're going to be really good. Well, that's why they bought Nambi. Yeah, Nebi Keita is a one player, right? And then there's also more There's more corrections to be done in defense. This is the, the, you see in these games the flashes and the potential that Liverpool has going forward. Um, I mean, but it also shows what they have left. Liverpool's problem consistently since I would say Klopp has joined is putting together a complete game, right? It's something that they just don't do that often. So, so in part because they don't have the pieces such as, you know, in the midfield now that continue is gone. But um, it, it, it's, you know, it, I agree with you. It, it's you, they go through these games where they, they appear to dominate, but you, you do see the glaring weaknesses. Um, and and I, I would completely agree that despite having a lot of, uh, re, you know, name recognition in the midfield, they don't have a lot of skilled players in the midfield. <laughs> Creative uh, players. Right. Creative, play. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Losing Coutinho is just losing a lot of creativity. Um, against a team like Porto, I thought they would put up more of a fight. Uh, they didn't need to be creative, um, and I, I think it was a little bit of nerviness from from Porto uh, that that ultimately led to just a yeah. It seemed. Oh. I mean, I didn't see the whole game, but it seemed like Liverpool was doing a lot of just like quick press in the midfield and then just like route one and I mean, worked out for them pretty truth- simply, pretty pretty easily. Truthfully, they didn't do anything special. I didn't think yeah. they were like, you know, this. I, I didn't think it was like a five nothing game in terms of the two teams on the field. Well, the, it's the just, game, yeah, the game plan was wrong. The game plan was wrong. Once Liverpool went up two nothing, there was no answer because the idea was to catch them. The idea was let them overextend and we'll punish their bad defense with a good counterattack. The problem is if you don't have any possession of the ball against a team like Liverpool. They're going to score on you because that's what they do. So it was just it was just a bad it was a bad game plan because you know scoring two goals in the first thirty minutes the game was effectively over. Yeah, I mean you can't leave yourself open to one of the best finishing sides uh, in the world right now. Um, yeah, so I don't not much to say. I agree that tie is is basically over. You know, sort of a formality at Anfield in a couple weeks, three weeks. Um, Let's talk about the other game today. I know Ryan, you didn't catch uh, a lot of the game, other game today, but uh, Mazin, another surprising result. PSG Real Madrid. I mean, you just can't count out Real Madrid. It's it's so oh, crazy. No, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. And this game is one of those games. That's, I, I kind of feel bad that we're talking about this today because I, it's been kind of going through my head some of the key moments of the game, and I'm I'm still trying to really understand what happened. Because, and I, I don't know if you guys felt this. I felt like you know, there's sometimes when you watch games with like magnitude, like Champions League finals or like El Clasicos, like games where it like really matters. There's some sort of difference in the field. Like what you're watching is super dramatic, and you can feel it in even in the pictures from the stadium. And the last it's ten minutes, tension. It's just yeah. a palpable tension. Yeah. Yeah, and the last ten minutes of this game. You really felt that. It, it felt like Zidane made the right substitutions, frankly, and just we just didn't see that on the other side. Like so, so I, I just sorry not to cut you off, but yeah. it, it's. Do you think I? I don't disagree that his substitutions were good, but I, I think it's just a product of Real Madrid having a deeper bench. Like I think they both went to. I, I think Zidane went to his obvious substitutions that he makes in a lot of games, um, and it's just they happen to work this time around. You know, it's he also not like, only made he, the PSG only only made two. They didn't bring P- on Pastore yeah, or P- Angel Di Maria. Yeah, P- look, I'm not going to argue that PSG is two, uh, and then 
were strange and then the two that were actually made were strange you know he yeah. could have made more changes um i i don't know do you do you think giving we're giving zidane too much credit here for for the changes he made i, I think it's just an obvious choice i don't think it's so much that you know we want to give zidane like full credit i i, I think that the the game was won in that instance yeah and I'm just trying to understand if it's Unai's Emery's like choice to like first of all twist to bring up bring off Kavad. There was a different mindset in the last ten minutes. We were actually on we were on live chat. Uh, we were we were talking about this on Slack while the game was going on. And I, I don't know if you remember. I just I wrote in there and I said like I just feel like that something's going to happen. Either Real Madrid's going to score a goal here or or they're going to overextend and PSG's going to cash them. And I feel like that was the mentality PSG had in the last ten minutes. We're going to sit back and accept a 1-1 game. If Madrid tries too hard to score a goal, we can counter on them and score. But what they weren't understanding was that Madrid was fully committed to taking the lead in that game. They right. were going to take the lead. And like the, I think the manager and the players just had the wrong mindset in those last 10 minutes to say, like, I, they're just like weren't in, they weren't playing the same game. And, and it's difficult for me to like look because I haven't been able to look tactically at what, what the difference was made once Bale was brought on. But you could you could see a difference in the style of in the style of play and the way the game was going, and you knew something was going to give. But to concede two goals in the last ten minutes for a team like PSG in this moment is nothing short of a disaster. Yeah. Like they yeah. need to win this tie, and it was a complete disaster to kind of end the game like that. I, it's just a really interesting game because who would you say the better team was in the game? I think it's even. It's pretty even. Shots are pretty even. Possession was even. Everything was even. I mean, look at how close Cavani had one shot. I think Cavani actually did not have his best game um, today, So, which not surprising why he was subbed off in an hour into the match. But look how close he came. I mean, uh, Casemiro made it a fantastic defensive play. And if he doesn't stick his foot out there the last second, PSG goes up to one um, probably that was like 55 minutes into the game or whatever, and it's a com- they completely flips the game on its head. Um, I, it's I, a pretty I, even match, and I think you're absolutely right, Mazin, that the tactics of PSG backfired when Madrid said, we're just going to throw out Bale and go for it, and they got rewarded. And the Marcelo goal also, it helps, helps when you've got guys like Marcelo that can just pull stuff out of nowhere like that, and that was just a beautiful goal. Fantastic game from him overall. I mean, look. There's, yeah, there's obviously absolutely. there's obviously some lineup change, uh, lineup decisions pregame that didn't make a lot of sense, right? So, so starting Giovanni, uh, the the guy who conceded the PK wound up conceding the PK to uh, Ronaldo. Giovanni was also um, starting him in the midfield, a younger guy opting out of starting Angel Di Maria in a game where I, I you know, I'd probably opt for Angel Di Maria against his former club um or pastore pastore is a very good player as well yeah pastore uh fine but also dropping your captain just hours before the game yeah you know these for for again a a younger uh french defender in uh kimbempe i believe is how you pronounce his name kimbempe um sure yeah (laughs) there's a lot of there's a lot of apes on that team or embes um uh, but, I mean, the bottom line is this was a 1-1 game where PSG, I would say, it, it was an even game, but PSG had uh, better chances in the game, even if the stats you know, don't reflect the quality of chances. Um, and it, it really felt like PSG was going to be able to pull this one away. And then it, you know, two defensive mistakes at the end of the game, and it, it, they're suddenly down two goals. Um, to be fair, we should mention that there was probably a foul in the build-up to the second goal um, on Mbappe. Um, and then there was probably uh, a missed handball on Sergio Ramos. And But the, but those things happen. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. O- overall, I, I think it's a really surprising result. By, um, I, would, I, would ca- I would call it shocking. I, I, it is shocking. Um, I think it's a you shocking You know what's result. not shocking is that Ronaldo took 10 shots. <laughs> I'm glad he brought up Ronaldo, though, because, listen, I am not the biggest, world's biggest Ronaldo fan, okay? I'm just not the world's biggest Ronaldo fan, but when is it going to stop? This dude is always in the right 
place. It's insane. we thought it had stopped earlier this year. To be honest, we we had been talking about how he's slowed down, stopped his finishing abilities, but then when it matters, he scored in every Champions League game this year, right? I mean, Which yes. Is- I don't know if that's true, but yes. No, I think he had. He scored in every game in the group stage, and he had two today. So, so it's kind of strange, right? Like you could think about it, like as from the standpoint of like athletes and other sports, right? Like, sure, LeBron's having a crazy year this year, right? But there are like you would normally think about it where LeBron conserves himself during the regular season, and then all of a sudden just like lights up the playoffs, and it's just like, does Cristiano Ronaldo prioritize games physically? Yes. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. He definitely does. And yeah. the thing, and the thing is is also it's it's not even just physically, it's mentally because Effort. Cristiano Ronaldo is not I I think he's an incredible like I mean in, back when he's playing Manchester United in the early days in Real Madrid, he was incredibly athletic and incredibly fast and all that. He's not that anymore. He's not that no. player anymore. He's not no. beating physically. But you see the goal that he scored to go up 3-1. How did he score that goal? He was just there. He's always there. He's just he's just he's got that mentality of the, of a killer striker to know exactly where he needs to be. He's done the transition from all all world athlete to Berbatov, right place, right time, like that Thomas Mueller, just like position. Oh, look at that. I'm right here. Where I need to be rebound in like he's done that transition as he's lost his athleticism as well as probably anyone this in the past 20 years. He's, like He's done it perfectly. And we saw we saw what he lacks today. I mean, he had a one on one with the keeper early in the game and we kind of just laughed because he shot it right at the keeper's face. Uh, no, he did. And then he just like pointed at the guy. He was like, yeah, I know what I just did. But the, also um, that pass from Marcelo that led to that save was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, Marcelo, we could talk about Marcelo being yeah, like, could. I could talk about Marcelo forever. <laughs> uh, I think he's, I think he's like a top 15 player in the world. Marcelo maybe maybe top 10. Um, Marcelo like broke his wrist in this game and then comes <laughs> back and scores like, like a half volley goal where, you know, the, we could talk about the PSG keeper maybe doing a little bit better on that shot, but I mean, the, the guy's unbelievable. That, did um, that win them this tie? The the no. third goal? No, absolutely, absolutely okay. not. PSG um, just is going two nothing in yeah. Paris. That's totally doable. Yeah, uh, absolutely not. But it's it's great to have that insurance. I mean, uh, without stating the stating yeah. the obvious, they're winning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but I, I I think like Unai knows what he needs to do going into the second leg, um, and, and they're going to be home. I, I think it's going to be a very different game in the second leg because Real Madrid is going to be forced to play a more defensive style. Uh, I, I, I think they're going to have to absorb a lot of PSG pressure. Um, we'll see. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Anything else to add on the on this game? I, I was really like I caught the second half in a bar with a bunch of Real Madrid fans, and they it, it was an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of like unnecessary table banging at various points in the game. I, my uh, my father had a had a had a comment before the game started that the PSG Real match was a, a matchup where the losing side. Their coach would be fired. And that's I, what I. That's what I. Yeah, that's loser leaves town. <laughs> that's this is what we said last week. You weren't here on the podcast. Uh, this is what we said last week in our preview to the match. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's still true. I but, said I a hundred percent think that last week. I mean, and if I, PSG comes out and lays another egg in the second half, and he might be gone <laughs> with all of the expectations on him. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love a, a, a manager winning his league. By light year and being fired <laughs> in the middle of the season. <laughs> so, so the other question I have, I, I guess the last point on this game is uh, two different questions. One, was this a match between two of the best teams in the world? And two, did they play like it today? Because I don't think the answer to both of those questions is yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to find how deep is your best teams in the world group? How deep does that go? Is that best five, top five, top ten? I would say they're neither of these teams are in the top three. Yeah, but they're probably one is at least in the top five, and they're both in the top ten. 
Yeah. I, I think there was a lot of tentative moments today. Um, and, and we didn't see the best of both of these teams. That would be my only comment on it. But we did see the highs that Real can still get to when they need to. But I think Real was able to get the win because PSG pulled back. I mean, subbing out subbing out Cavani in like what was it? Sixty six like minute. Yeah, in the sixty sixth minute for a defender, just just it blows my mind. You know, it's I, like well, Cavani's chip. work rate is so high, and he's like just hauling ass for so long that he probably burned himself out. But but you, so okay, that's fine. You don't sub out an attacking player. They put he put in a defender. Yeah, you know, no, so I, that, I, that indicates that he's changing his mindset in the 66th minute. And then Mazin's talking about how, you know, the game flow changed in the 80th minute. Well, it didn't start in the 80th minute. It started when you made that sub and decided to change your formation. You decided to change your mindset and just yeah. accept a 1-1 tie. But if we could return to Zidane, Zidane recognized this moment. Absolutely. And, and- and this and this is where his coaching is really it really shines through. And it's not a coincidence that he's a masterfully genius attacking player. He 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 knew that that was the mindset, and, and he was going to get the result from it. And, and and his players showed up for him. I mean, two minutes after the Cavani sub, Bale comes on. Right. Listen, listen. I'm not taking anything away from Zidane. All I'm saying is like, you only get to play one game at home. You know, you got to go for it if the other team has decided to to sit back, um, especially given the importance of uh, of away goals. So, uh, surprising game. Um, again, I, I I agree with Mazin. I don't think it's over, but certainly a, a huge result for Madrid. Um, all right, two other games yesterday. Ryan, I mean, what a time to be a Spurs fan. It, I know. Mancis, Man City 4, Basel 0. Oh, sorry, the other game. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, Spurs, Spurs just look unstoppable. I, I I like your comment, you know, a minute into the game where I apologize. Well, let's say a minute 20 into the game where I apologize to you for uh, a pretty good volley by Iguain. And then, uh, you know, you drank the poison. You were revived a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit later in the half with Harry Kane's goal. Um, talk to me about your thoughts from that game. So when people were like roller coaster of emotion, that kind of didn't cut it. I also didn't <laughs> see this game live. I had to follow it via Twitter updates, which is highly unrecommended. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> Especially when you're getting your uh, comments only from the Tottenham side. Uh, I follow Cartilage Free Captain on uh, the SB Nation site, and so I was only getting Spurs feed. So it was pretty down at first. Um, yeah, the Spurs. Once they had their backs against the wall, showed incredible resilience, came out and dominated because they had to, because they dug themselves a huge hole and it could have been worse. Remember, there's a missed penalty by Higuain and right at the end of the first half that probably would have sealed it. You know, the the Spurs got a... um, had plenty of chances, outshot uh, Juventus, you know, dominated possession. They held their heat map is crazy. Like all of the Spurs possession almost is in the <laughs> in the Juventus area. They they controlled the game, but they had to. That, that, I don't imagine their game plan was to go in and oh god, that first goal was just. I, I I forgot who marked who had to mark who got in, but he just they fell asleep and he just could walk in. I think it was I think it was Deli Alley actually. I think you're right. Um, I don't yeah, remember I the play exactly, but he just walked in and had a clear run at Lloris. And then the foul that led to the second penalty was definitely a foul, um, probably a little too aggressive of a t- take on to, you know, you're, you're pressing. And when you're pressing, you, you, this is the type of things that happen. So, yes, yes, the Spurs absolutely deserve to take a point and it's huge to get two road, uh, two road goals like that. It gives you a great kind of a cushion going back at home. But uh, I did not love going down two goals in the first 10 minutes. But, hey, I'll take the result. Definitely feels like uh, similar to the Liverpool uh, uh, Spurs game where we got lucky that uh, stole a point there. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, I I pretty much agree with you. My opinion on the game is that um, Spurs controlled the entire game. I know it's weird to say, even though they went down 2 nothing early, 
Um, I don't think Spurs' style of play changed at all during the course of the game. And what I think we were seeing on the field was very much, even though Juventus has young players, uh, I, I think we were just two, seeing two drastically different styles. Uh, and Juventus just had no answer for Spurs. It, it was it was very easy to Spurs for Spurs to get uh, control the midfield, to transition from defense to offense. And and I don't think Juventus is used to playing um, a counterattacking style. And I think it really threw them off. Not having the ball really threw them off. Um, they weren't able to get a lot of service to Iguain in the second half. Um, and I, I'm not sure how many offensive chances they had in the second half at all. Um, and and I, I completely agree with you, Ryan, that the the uh, the missed penalty at the end of the first half is just like, yeah, it, 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 there was already um, an inflection point in the game, right? It was already like Harry Kane's goal was already like, okay, Spurs are starting to gain momentum. And that missed PK where I, I'm so against the down-the-middle PK. It's like... You are so close to net. You're professional. Just pick a side. Go with it. It's, it's I don't know, the mind game. It, it, I agree with the down-the-middle PK if, you know, you're taking a series of five PKs and, and it's actually a mind game with the goalie. But you could just bury the ball with a fast-paced shot to either side of the goalie. It's really difficult for a goalie to save it. Why are you opening up? Like, a goalie's main response to a PK, is, if they're unsure, is to not move. So why give them the probability that they're going to save it if they don't move, if they just guess wrong and they're rooted to the spot, which is exactly what happened. I mean, granted, he hits the crossbar, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I think Lurie's guessed right on the first penalty, just couldn't quite get his he hand on the ball. He actually should have come up with that save, yeah. Yeah, um, so I think maybe... So if you're defending Higuain, you say that he knows that he like... Lurie's got him. He he can re- read him. So then your best bet is to you're you're still right. He should have picked a corner, but he he hit it hard at least. But I'll take it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I mean, but, but the point of the but the point of the game is uh, like uh, uh, Juventus were just overrun. They were I mean, and they were yeah. over, they were overrun by a better team. I I think Juventus struggled. Um, I mean, I, I look think, at who they're starting. Buffon, 40. Cicilini is older. Uh, Sammy Kadira is older. Mandzukic, Higuain, these guys are all older players. And they just couldn't... I mean, obviously Buffon's not out there um, in the midfield or anything, but you're right. Spurs did own the midfield. They did easily transition from win the ball back um, and then get to attack. Very, They kind of sliced through Juventus's first press and then the midfield. It, that Miss, was impressive. Missing missing Paulo Dybala is huge. Uh, you know, missing Cuadrado is probably pretty big for Juventus. Just from that pace. His pace on the side. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't look like the best team in Italy. Uh, and and Spurs were able to just handle them. And going back to London, they I, I think they should easily wrap this tie up. Yeah, Juventus has a tough. They've also had a kind of a tough little bit of schedule. I don't think as bad as Spurs, so that's not an excuse. But I think they played in uh, Florence on Friday. Then they had this game, and then they go actually go to the Torino Turin Derby. So they have a little but, tough stretch but we, there. But we can't use that as an excuse because, as we were saying, they hadn't given up a goal in 2018. <laughs> so we can't all of a sudden say, "Well, their schedule is hard." It's like they were cruising through their schedule as much as Spurs were. Um, I just. Spurs are a better team. So that's a that's a really odd take. I okay. Agreed that Tottenham had an amazing performance and they pulled something back from this, and Juventus is probably extremely disappointed. But easily going through, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I still think Juventus has a very good opportunity to beat Tottenham in Wembley and move on. They have a lot more experience in the Champions League. They're a very good team. I think this next game is going to be super, super exciting to watch. I don't think it, I don't think Tottenham is going to have an easy time with it at all. I think Tottenham is going to feel a lot of pressure at home at Wembley, uh, one of the biggest stadiums in in the Champions League now. Um, yep, uh, and I think it's going to depend on a lot on who's available for Juventus. Which yeah, I mean sense. Juventus could side could show a kind of a very different side if they have Dybala and Guardado out there. And so it, it would look, yeah, I think 
I'm still worried. I don't. I mean, I, I'm very happy. I'm very happy to get two away goals because I think if I could totally see a situ- situation where Spurs go down early again, you know, one nothing, and kind of claw their way back and just take a tie, take a one-one draw, and just win because they and move it on because they got two um, in Torino versus versus uh, one in in London. So, how do you? I'm feel- happy with the result. How do you guys feel? I mean, either of you take this. How do either of you guys feel about Lamella starting over Sun? It's been a tough run of. I'll say this: it's been a tough run for the Spurs schedule-wise. So getting Lamella, who's coming, you know, he hey, he got them, uh, got them the draw against Liverpool. Um, he he's played better. He's not the same athlete as Son, so he's not going to run at, at Juventus in the same way, but he probably deserved to get some starts, and with the tough schedule that they've had, Son played in both of the Spurs games against Newport in the FA Cup, so I think he getting Son some, yeah. some rest. He wasn't even on the bench as a sub available, so I think getting him... I'm sorry, he did come in as a sub. My, my apologies. So. He replaced he replaced Lamel in the 89th, I believe. Yeah. So um, he, got a, he got... He warmed up. 83rd, um, I'm fine with it. Decision from Pochettino to prioritize Sun for games against Newport and not Juventus. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't agree with this decision at all. Um, and you know, Pochettino was talking; it was pointing to like Lamella's experience with Roma in the in European football. Oh, that's I, a, I, that's a dumb excuse. That's yeah, a, I think that's, that's a, a lot. That's dumb. I think that's a lot of crap. Uh, you have a lineup that's cruising through the best teams in England. You don't take out one of your best players uh, it's strange to say but Hongman Sun is one of their best players oh, absolutely yeah. um uh in your most important game of the season I would say yeah um, Sun came on the 83rd minute for Deli Ali so he, yeah. he got a little bit of run but you're right yeah the, the truth is I think Pochettino has specific direction he gives to players that we don't know about and then never no one ever really focuses on so with Lamella, I saw early on a lot of just unnecessary contact between Lamella and a lot of players from Juventus. And uh, I just, having watched Tottenham play a lot of times, I whatever, maybe this is a controversial thing, but I think Pochettino employ, employs a lot of gamesmanship on the field by giving players specific directions. And I think Lamella got specific direction in that game that he wouldn't have given Son. Yeah. yeah, and they do play different types of position. Lamelo did play more of the midfield, where Son plays much higher up the pitch. Uh, yeah, I agree. So Lamelo actually had one of the highest uh, pass numbers in the game, which perhaps is not surprising. Christian Eriksen was actually the highest uh, and had a great game, even though I think Buffon should come up with that free kick save. Um, yeah, I agree there. He he was flat-footed for sure. Trash yeah. goalie. Trash, trash goalie. Oh. Did you see that he's getting um, called up out of retirement for the Italy's uh, friendlies in the the summer? Nah. Ooh. Yeah. Did he's they, getting. Wow. His, I think he's doing it voluntarily. But wow. Is, this, is it because he didn't get a long enough farewell tour? Is that the idea? Like his farewell tour was supposed to be the World Cup, and then it just like, <laughs> it, and it just isn't. Yeah. Oh, he'll play Have in twenty 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 two. Don't worry. Uh, nah, he he would need some serious air conditioning in Qatar. Um, <laughs> a lot of deer entrance play. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, uh, anything else from this game? I mean, I, I think I, the only other comment I had was was that lineup change. I, it's hard to question Pettigino. He just seems to be doing everything right right now. Um, but I, I really thought that was strange, not including Sun in the lineup. Um, ultimately, I think. Fine, I, I won't go with easily advances, Mazin, but I think this puts Tottenham in a clear spot to advance. Um, I think Juventus wins. <laughs> it's quite, you want to you want to bet a bottle on it? <laughs> no, don't stop. No, no, there's too much riding on this. Do not bet that bottle, John. I, I, love, I, I love that. I love that Ryan is literally in the Skype middle of of this of this conversation. Um, Absolutely. Nah. Uh, nah, I don't. I don't think Juventus wins. Tottenham, Tottenham wins uh, in what will be a tie. They win in a one-one draw at Wembley. I can see that. 
I could see that. Um, and uh, yeah, Manchester City won a soccer game. So when we come back, <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about the Champions League uh, games next week. A couple of good ones there. weren't the only games from the round of 16 so next week we got four games i'll run through them real quick chelsea barcelona Bayern munich Bishtikas, uh sevilla and uh, manchester united and shakhtar and roma mazin if you had to pick an upset from those four games what do you think the most likely upset would be Wow, I think if I could pick an upset that makes the most sense, um, it would be Sevilla upsetting Manchester United. Uh, only because Sevilla is, is a dastardly team that surprises you all the time with their ability to show up in big games and beat big clubs. Like the but, Europa League final? Uh, for example. <laughs> and then like losing 5-1 to Ibar? Things happen, but, <laughs> but Manchester United is definitely a team that uh, that 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 strikes me as uh, as possibly going down. Uh, controversial possibility is could Chelsea upset Barcelona? Like probably not, but like Chelsea's a good team, so you never know. Yeah, but no. But 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 now uh, I mean the first game's in the first game's in Sevilla, so I, I think that first game will dictate a lot. Uh, it's an important game for United coming off a loss this weekend at yeah, at Newcastle. Was it at Newcastle? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, Newcastle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Newcastle is a tough place to play. Northeast England. It's just not fun. Um, but uh, United's got a lot to prove, and Mourinho really needs to get his team on track. Needs to improve his relationship with Paul Pogba and figure out, you know, where is the best player, where is the best place to play Paul Pogba uh, in the lineup? On, right. on the field, preferably uh, starting. Yeah, <laughs> in the starting I, I, mean, I think they both have big egos and they just need to get over it. Brian, Shakhtar or Roma? Shakhtar. Next question. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, like, I'm a Roma fan. I agree with you. I, I think it's Shakhtar's in it's in Ukraine too. It's in it's in. Uh, no, in, uh, I, I, I mean it, I mean in the tie. Oh yeah, I meant in the tie too. I, I mean Shakhtar, they're the only team that has scared City until Liverpool did, or at least when City was really rolling back back early in the fall. So well, come on, really? Are we bringing up the City game that the group's wrapped up? It's the last thing, and Shakhtar pulls off some <laughs> victory, and somehow that means they're going to be Roma. No way, guys. Roma's going to be Shakhtar. There's no way that happens. Yeah, yeah. most likely I'm picking like my upset pick because it's boring to pick Sevilla again. Yeah, also just like Chelsea's not going to win. <laughs> so, so you have to narrow it down and, uh, you know. And best yeah. of test probably isn't going to beat Munich. Because nah, the first probably. match is in Munich, too. So. Yeah, it's tough. It's, That's tough. I mean, guys have had a wonderful group stage, but come on. <laughs> but it ends there it's over it's probably uh, over I, I mean it would be the least surprising I think Sevilla's run of form has not been great and I think they you guys watched this game to be a little bit more with a little bit more detail than I did what happened with that Sevilla Liverpool game in the group stage when Sevilla just it was just back and forth. It was wild, right? It was like a three-three draw or something crazy like yeah, that. I mean, literally, what happened? The coach told the players that he had cancer, and at halftime, and they came out and scored three goals. Okay, so you can't use that tactic again. I mean, um, like if you want to talk about what literally happened, but some, okay, but, but, but come on, come on, you're gonna drop the that, that is not what that, that happened. No, I'm just saying what happened. I'm not saying that's why it happened. I'm just saying that's what happened. What what happened is, Ryan, you've watched a Liverpool game, right? 
you've watched a Liverpool game where they have a comfortable lead, right? That happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, aside from the game from today, anytime they have a two or three goal lead, Klopp's just like, let's just continue what we're doing. And and then it doesn't work. Um, To be fair, that's one thing United won't do because United won't try to score anyways. So (laughs) I, I... Sevilla, if Sevilla was playing better, if they had a better run of form recently, I'd be more confident in them. It does help that it's in Spain this first this first match, but United probably it's probably going to be like one nothing zero zero, and we're going to be disappointed. Listen, Liverpool dominated Sevilla both games, regardless of what the scoreline was. They dominated them. Um, I think, and, I, I actually, and United is not as good as Liverpool. They're not, but I actually think um, they're not. That, don't shrug. They're not. They're not. Yeah. What are you shrugging for? Messi, you But why? But why? Also, listen, I already said that Sevilla was my upset pick, so I'm not, <laughs> not trying to throw it under the bus. But I mean, Manchester United should win this. Yes. So. I actually think next week um, is going to be a pretty – well, I, I think the ties from the second week are going to be a pretty boring uh, set of games. I, I think Barcelona should easily win this tie. I think – Bayern should easily win this tie. Um, I think United will get by probably with like a two, three goal GD. Um, the most exciting games is, is Shakhtar Roma, the, that home and home. Um, eh, it's it's. I don't really have it much. Yeah, I mean Chelsea Barcelona will get the hype. I think it's closer. It'll be closer than we've been kind of brushing Chelsea off. They they are still a pretty good team. It, so I yes, Barcelona is is very very good and one of the top probably three best teams in the world. But the for having the first leg in London helps a lot. Um, I think Hazard can still do damage against Barcelona's back line if he's given any time and space. So it could I could see this being a one one draw and then Barcelona winning five nothing in Spain. I, I really don't think this tie is going to be close. I mean, having Morata back helps. Yeah, he he got some playing time against West Brom, but um, yeah, exactly playing time. Um, It's really strange that they signed Olivier Giroud and then didn't start (laughs) him while Morata was injured. Um, I I don't think this tie is close. I think you're going to see something like like Barcelona 5-2-6-2 on aggregate, something like that. Anything else from uh, these games, Madison? No, I think uh, I think we'll just have to see. Uh, we could be pleasantly su- surprised. I think everybody's on the same page that the first round of games was more exciting. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Paper, yeah. but um, you, you know, you never know. You never know. A lot of goals too. Every game had four plus goals this first round, which is kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, three surprising results for different reasons from this first round of uh, games. All right, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Premier League and uh, past results. And then I think we have a, a little bit of debate on our hands about best team, best player, best league. Welcome back. Madison, I want to continue a conversation we are having on air. Well, the conversation was off air, but we're going to continue the conversation on air, on pod, on the record. This you is have, live. This is live streamed. This so is it's, live it's a- streamed to a crowd of tens. Um, <laughs> you have an opinion on the best player in the world, and I'm not. Yeah, sure yeah. They, and I'm not sure if they play in Spain. I'm not sure if they play in Italy. Or I'm not sure if they play in San Marino. So tell me, where are they? <laughs> I was saying that I was just trying to ask a hypothetical about if you you know players on form right now who 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 we all think is the best player in the world right now. If you could pick one player on your team, and uh, I honestly think the answer to that question for me is Kevin De Bruyne from Manchester City as the best player in the world right now. But if I would pick one player first on any team, I would pick him. And I feel like that's a controversial opinion. I feel like it doesn't make sense to say a player like Kevin De Bruyne is the best player in the world. It feels like it's not right. Like, does he have a chance to win the Ballon d'Or? Like, I don't think so. But, like, 
why not? Why, because the, why isn't he? Because, because his name's Kevin DeBryant. I mean, that's that's really what it is. It's kind of the same argument like when Eden Hazard was like arguably the best player in the world, right? It, it's just a different all-purpose midfielder who is like spectacular. Um, Ryan, who would, who would you say your best player in the world is? I'm curious, curious what your... The current form. Current, current form. Current. All right, I'm, I'm not trying to do it to suck up to you guys, but it's, it's probably Salah. Honestly, how, no, no, like, how honestly. Does, how does the Spurs fan pick Salah? Because Kane missed a fucking penalty that would have won us the game, and I'm so <laughs> bitter about it. That's the explicit tag. We just got it again. Oh, thanks, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> and it wouldn't have Look won you. The, something it, very, it wouldn't very have won you the game. It happened first. That would have changed yeah, and we the course been of up. the game. <laughs> and we wouldn't have left Salah to dance through seven p. Uh, anyways, amazing goal. It is an amazing goal when he, he he is just on the. We're looking again, say the past whatever ten twenty games. He's on the best run of anyone I think in the world. He's on a messy like run from oh nine oh ten oh ten. Yeah, you can say that um, run that not too many other people are on. He's what you're what second in the in the entire Premier League on in goals and only behind Kane because Kane is the only one that takes penalties for Spurs. It's he's just on a run of form we have not seen this uh, in England for a long, long time. And the, the it's probably the answer is messy, but I, I think Salah is right now probably in a little bit better form. So and he's well, not the same type of player as De Bruyne, but he's just he's playing really fucking well. To be fair, I mean, if Harry Kane falls in the box, he gets a penalty called you know, for him. So that's that's it's Salah well, doesn't get. He these. has a uh, Prince Lamella do all the falling for him. It's oh, between the two of them. There was such a reluctance in that game for M- by by NBC to like call out Kane for diving. Okay, we're done. We're done talking about the Liverpool. <laughs> okay. Sorry, that was this that was is just going to keep happening. It's just going to keep happening. Um, I yeah. Most of the law is good. I, I agree with Mass and it's Kevin De Bruyne. I, I, I would I would definitely pick Kevin De Bruyne above all because Kevin De Bruyne is going to take you from your defensive side of the field and he is going to run it up until, you know, the edge of the 18-yard box and he's either going to take a shot from the outside of the box and do it himself or he's going to distribute uh, in a way that most other players in the league can't do. Um I, I, I just think his ability to, to do it all is um, is unmatched in the league. And I think Belgium, so I, I think we talked about this in the first week. I, I think it's why Belgium is my surprise pick for the World Cup. I mean, it's going to be incredible to watch them play. I, I don't understand how De Bruyne and Hazard are going to line up together, but it's going to be <laughs> so amazing. I feel like you put De Bruyne in a central role in that position. And then, honestly, I feel like you let Hazard do whatever he wants to do. Oh, you let him just float, play just whatever everyone. position he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have a formation for nine men on the field, and then Hazard just like does whatever he wants. He could be anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the Brunna as sort of like a pivot point. Yeah. Yeah. And then he somehow Axel does the thing, start. and Hazard just does whatever he wants to do. I think that's like a totally realistic way to do that. And it's um, going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy because they have like a central real striker up front in Lukaku. I, I, they're going to be so good. They're going to win. They're definitely going to win. You heard it def- here first. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Argentina is winning, but anyways. But just to bring it back quickly, I, I know we're kind of knocking on the door to another question, another question which we're going to get into, but like to talk about Salah, I want to talk about that more seriously in terms of attacking players because again, I've already said De Bruyne, I think it was pick one player. But if I were talking about just like an attacking forward player, um, I honestly feel like I would pick Salah first today as well. I, that's a crazy thing to say because of all the uh, all the great attacking talent in the world. But there was a moment in today where for the first time I really appreciated the run that he's on in the context of just outside of England and just like around the world. Because Neymar, one of the best players in the world, I think we can all agree, Neymar is one of the best players in the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Best attacking players in the world, like for sure. And I... I, I, I Hundred percent. You can say whatever you want to say about the way he plays, but I think everyone can agree on he's, that. He's a he's a top five junior for sure. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Ken Griffey somewhere. Definitely. <laughs> Ken there. I like but, it. I like it. But there was a moment in the game at the end of the game, said the death it was basically the last touch, I think, where a great service was brought into the ball. Heavy pace. Neymar has his foot on it at the six yard box, and just a terrible. Skies it. Skies it. Terrible yeah. attempt. 
terrible. And it's and a completely like, different story if they go into the next game 3-2 versus 3-1. Uh, and and, and uh, Neymar actually left the field without, congr- you know, without shaking anyone's hand. Like, you could yeah. tell. He knew. It was a moment of great significance. Yeah. And he disappointed his team and, and, and the fans. And he should have done better. And it was that moment, oddly, I don't know how this came up, but it, oddly that moment that brought Mohamed Salah to my head. As, like, in this moment with Liverpool, bringing back that goal against Spurs and all this sort of stuff, and just the way he's been able to embarrass defenses and consistently put pressure on defenses with great technical play. I feel like you can rely on this guy in a way that you almost can't rely on anyone. It's become automatic when you watch him play that he's going to convert stuff, that he's going to make the defender miss, that he's going to do something amazing with the ball. And that that's just something I feel like people are recognizing. Uh, but... I don't know if I fully appreciated his ability to create scoring chances as compared to others in the world like I well, had today. Well, listen, let's let's let Real Madrid notice Neymar and let's let Mosala stay at Liverpool. I think one of the other reasons I would pick – so, again, I, I choose Kevin De Bruyne. But I think one of the reasons I would pick Mosala over Harry Kane is Mosala's ability to link up with other players on the field better than Harry Kane can. I think Harry Why? Kane re- – <laughs> I think Harry Kane requires a certain delivery, um, and that's not to say that Harry Kane, you know, doesn't have chemistry with other with his front guys. He obviously has chemistry with Deli Ali, uh, with Eriksson, um, with Son, um, but Mo Salah does it further up the field, or further down the field, I guess you would say, for more towards his defensive side of the field, you know. Um, yeah, I feel like you're, you're going to rebuttal this a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to completely rebuttal it because they play different, they like different they, they play different positions. Like yeah. Kane plays the very, very classic striker role where he needs, you know, he is in the position to take the delivery. Where Salah plays kind of that hybrid nine ten role of creativity and attacking. What I like about Salah um, that you don't see, you see with Kane, but you don't see with someone like Aguero. Salah scored 22 goals in the Premier League this year, 11 at home, 11 on the road. Yeah. Uh, Aguero has 21, 15 at home, 6 on the road. That's to the that's pretty awesome and shows that he, and Kane is the similar, he's got 11 at home, 12 on the road. Like the fact that he isn't just sitting at home in the friendly confines, he's going out and scoring when it matters. And those, these away games when you need to be picking up points. Um, that's, that's awesome from Salah. And yeah, they, he does play different. He does. He has more assists than Kane. Um, Kane only has one assist in the premier league this year where Salah has seven. So yeah, he does play a different role. And so he does track back a little bit more than Kane, but He's also, yeah, he's right now just on a better run of form and doing his position and attacking uh, better than than Kane is. And he's, yeah, he's, to me, he's the best player in the world right now. Um, De Bruyne was the best player in the world as of like November when they were, when City was on their like peak city, like peak city run. Um, And I think they slowed down a little bit. He's, he's been banged up. He's been hurt. So that's not surprising that he's, he's slowed down a little bit. It, 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 it's crazy that, we think of City as slowing down. They lost one game, like, they, and then they and they dropped, they, and, and, and then they kept cruising. Um, it, I mean, slowing down in the context of that is like they're not perfect. <laughs> they're not winning five nothing. They're winning two one. Yeah, but so, I just yeah, I know we could talk about this forever. I just want to bring out one 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 more point here, which is that we're talking about Salah's connection with the team. You rightly bring up the assists, and I think you guys are kind of on point in terms of what you're talking about his ability to connect. But I want to point out also that the biggest weakness for Mohamed Salah at the beginning of the season was, well, there's two big weaknesses. The first is that he wasn't able to convert chances at a high enough percentage. But the second was that he wasn't able to link up with his teammates. He wasn't able to assist his teammates, and he wasn't able to find the correct passes when he needed to find them. And I think it's a credit to Mohamed Salah, who's 25, that he seems to learn and get better every single time he steps on the pitch because his connection with his teammates is, is extremely high at this point. His conversion chances for chances is, is much, much higher, and he's just getting better and better. He's a young player. I hope that he can stay with Liverpool for longer than one season, <laughs> but like his star is definitely rising. I, I thought one of the consequences of losing Coutinho was that Firmino was going to take a hit in, in production as well, and it seems like Firmino has become a better player 
playing alongside Mo Salah, which is great to see. And I hope they can continue that partnership for a while. Um, so, you know, we're debating about the best players. We've all chosen players in the Premier League. I, it's a little bit weird to think of the Premier League as the best league in the world right now. But do you guys think the Premier League is the best league in the world? I, I normally think of La Liga yeah, as the best team with Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico. Um, the Premier League's getting results this year. So far in the first round, two wins and a, and a solid draw away from home. Brian, what do you think? Premier League best team in the world or best league in the world? So I think they've been the best league in the world top to bottom for a little while now. But the fact the best teams in Spain are just so much better than the best teams in England for the for a huge or for the last probably, you know, decade, decade and a half that it makes Syria or not Syria, uh, La Liga uh, seem like a better league. Um, so now with City probably maybe still the best team in the world and teams like Liverpool dominating, playing really well in Europe, a team that like the fifth place team in England of Spurs tying the best team in, um, in terms of table in, in Italy, you're seeing that the, the top end of English football is catching up kind of with the middle and the bottom in terms of being where the middle and the bottom of the English table is, I think demonstrably better than the middle and the bottom of the German table, the, the the Spanish league, and definitely the Italian league. So the fact that the top of the Premier League is now playing kind of up to their status as a league elevates the entire league uh, top to bottom over any other league in Europe. Yeah, has not anything to add on that? Or do you disagree? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think... Um, the English league has always been, for many years now, the league with the most parity. Um, but I disagree that it has the best teams. So top to bottom, you could say that the bottom is closer to the top in the Premier League. And I think that's not that's something that almost no one would argue. It's got a great competitiveness. But La Liga has had the best teams. It had the best teams at the top of the league, the middle of the league, and the bottom of the league. They're overall better. Um, and I think that you know, the statistics can back that up. The success in Europe, in the Europa League and in the Champions League and all around has just been better. Um, and I still think La Liga is the best league in the world. Um, but I think the Premier League has taken a huge step up this year. Huge step up. They were really, really in danger, especially in the year that Leicester won the championship, of slipping from their status. I think there was only one game where they could have lost one of their Champions League spots to, to Syria, and they just happened to win that game, and, and they stayed up at their at their vaunted status with La Liga. But um, this is a huge step up for them. Manchester City, at, playing at the level that they're playing is fantastic. And uh, you know to see Tottenham and Liverpool uh, competing in Europe at a high level is, is great to see. Um, if Manchester United and Chelsea can get good results, um, I think they're going to be making a huge splash. Yeah, and Arsenal's doing well in the Europa League, too. <laughs> Arsenal could win Europa. Hey, they could win. That would be twice in a row that an English team wins Europa. Hey, Arsenal's the team. Um, <laughs> I, I have to, you know, I, I have to disagree with you, Mazin, a little bit, because Tottenham is in fifth place in the Premier League, and yet, you know, you look at the the results they put in in the group stage, and yeah, it's the group stage, and, you know, I guess Real Madrid was coached by Pop during the the group stage so you know they put in like a c-plus effort um for the regular season but it's like tottenham put up massive results and they're still only they're still out of a champions league spot right now in the premier league which is crazy to me um i, I just think that uh there isn't as much parity in the premier league as you're suggesting um given a team like newcastle beating manchester united you know as recently as last weekend um I think the Premier League's strong, and I, I think five teams in the round of 16, you know, no matter which way you cut it, there's there's a ton of different data points that you can point to to say that they're probably the best overall league in the world. Would you take Celta Vigo versus Everton right now, neutral playing field? Who would you take? <laughs> That's a really good one, actually. They're both ninth place in their respective leagues. Yeah, it's a really good one. 
I chose uh, ninth because tenth, which is right in the middle, is Girona versus Bournemouth, and I don't want that doesn't fit my argument, so I chose ninth. <laughs> uh, I, it goes against my argument, but I probably choose Celta Vigo because Everton's defense is just hard. Yeah, Everton's in a tough place because they decided to chip out half their team at the deadline, but and, and Vigo and Vigo scores goals. Vigo scores goals. Celta Vigo, Vigo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that you do have clubs um, that are, you know, quote, having a down year like Espanyol and Levante, Sociedad, Malaga, who's probably going to get relegated, relegated and yeah. in a few years, a few years ago was like well into the Champions League final stages. So I think one thing that Mazin didn't touch on and I should have touched on when I was defending the EPL is the EPL has such a leg up financially on these teams, except for Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid, that in time, if the financial kind of currents are heading in the same direction that they have been, that they will like vastly overtake the rest of the leagues in Europe in terms of top-to-bottom quality. The fact that Everton, the ninth-place team, can go out and just basically waste $50 million um, on my cousin, Gilfie. And, you know, <laughs> there's no, there are four teams, probably five teams in Spain that can do that. And there are eight or nine teams in England that can do that. And that'll only start to grow as that NBC money you know, comes in and comes in year after year. So that that is a widening disparity that I don't know how Spain right now, how that league, you know, catches up in that regard. No, it's a good point. I, I think the, the EPL teams are finally paying up to, you know, what they're finally getting what they pay for. Yeah, um, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, all right. It's late, guys. It's exciting. Today was exciting. Uh, today was surprising. Today was exprising. Exprising. Today was Wednesday. <laughs>